0: Everyone and welcome to J Talk Extra Time. As usual, all of the latest J2 and J3 news is coming your way very shortly. I'm John Steele, hosting part one this week. I'm going to run you through half of the games from last weekend in J2. That's round 37. After that, James Taylor will take over. He has the rest of the uh, round 37 action from J2 plus a quick recap of uh, Kofu's midweek ACL game at home to Buriram After that, in part three, I sat down with Sean Carroll, a very, very special guest. We talked about a few of the big J2 topics from the last couple of weeks, so please look forward to that. After my chat with Sean, as usual, there's all the J3 latest. Magic Mike Innes has that for you in JTalk Short Corner. Without further ado though, let's talk about J2 Round 37 from last weekend. We'll start at the bottom of the table with Omiya Ardija. Now, they're still bottom, but they're at least fighting. They now have back-to-back wins after winning 1-0 away at Oita last weekend. The visiting goalkeeper, Ko Shimura, was definitely the busier of the two keepers. He had to make a good save from Tsukasa Umesaki in the first half. Omiya's Polish striker Jakub Sueczok was on the bench for this game, but he made a big impact when he came on. After a great dribble from him, Takamitsu Tomiyama blazed over when he should really have hit the target. And Omiya then snatched victory from a 92nd minute corner, right at the death. The ball was headed back across goal by Utaro Hakamata, then fellow defender Niki Urakami was on hand to head in from close range and earn his side a potentially vital three points. So a delight for Omiya at full time. It was Oi to nil, Omiya won. Omiya though, are still nine points adrift of safety with five games left to play. Surely they need to win at least four of those. So it's still a tall order, even though they've got back-to-back wins now. Oita meanwhile, a ninth, only two points outside the playoff places, but badly out of form at the wrong time. They have just one win from their last seven matches. Blaublitz Akita picked up a big three points to ease their relegation fears with an away win at Tochigi. The full-time score at Tochigi Green Stadium was Tochigi 1, Akita 2. Akita nearly took the lead straight away with Hiroto Moroka firing a low shot against the base of the post from uh, outside the penalty area, but it was the home side Tochigi who took the lead in the 17th minute when a low right wing cross from just inside the box from Ryotaro Ishida was turned in from about 12 yards by Koki Oshima. But in the second half, the visitors scored twice in the space of about five minutes to turn things around. In the 66th minute, Tochigi just couldn't get the ball clear following Ganekita corner. Their goalkeeper Shuhei Kawata had to twice punch clear, and then he had to be alert to block a shot from Ryota Takada. But the loose ball was eventually rammed into the net from about 16 yards by Takashi Kawano. So that was 1-1. And it was a similar story five minutes later when Tochigi could only clear the ball to the edge of their own penalty area where Tomofumi Fujiyama was waiting. He teed up Moroka and his swerving shot uh, went right into the back of Kawata's net for Tochigi 1, Akita 2. So a great away win for Akita. Their first victory in 10 matches. They are 15th in the table, 11 points clear of the relegation zone. It's worth mentioning they also have a game in hand on pretty much every other team in the division. Tochigi are two points worse off than Akita in 19th, and this was the third defeat in a row for them. They're nine points clear of the drop zone with five games left to play, but I have a feeling they won't be relaxing uh, until they're mathematically safe. But Tochigi won, Akita 2 was the full-time score. Vegalta Sendai moved ten points clear of the relegation zone thanks to a one 0 home win over Kumamoto. The crucial goal was a first-half penalty from Ryoma Kida. He scored from the spot after he had been pulled back. Quite gently, I think it's fair to say, by Kumamoto defender Takuro Ezaki. Kumamoto, after their midweek exertions away at Tokushima, looked a bit tired in this game. They did almost draw level with just a few minutes left though. Sendai's keeper Akihiro Hayashi made a brilliant save from Rei Hirakawa at close range to preserve his side's clean sheet. And that's how the game finished. Sendai 1, Kumamoto nil. That leaves Sendai 17th in the latest table. Kumamoto a level on points with them. In 16th, switching gears to the top of the table, and Shimizu S-Pulse lost their grip on second place after a surprise loss away at Shizuoka Neighbors Fujieda. The full-time score here was Fujieda 2, Shimizu 0. After a goalless first half, Fujieda took the lead about nine minutes into the second period, when Ken Yamara skipped around a challenge from Ronaldo, about 25 yards from goal, and then launched an absolute rocket of a shot past Shuichi Gonda and into the back of the net for 1-0 to the home side. And then with about 20 minutes to go, disaster struck for Shimizu as Kengo Kitazume tried to head the ball back to Gonda in the right-back position. Happily for Fujieda though, Akiyuki Yokoyama had read the situation, uh, understood Kitazume's intentions, and he was able to nip in and volley the ball over Gonda, who had come out of his goal and was in no man's land really, and the ball ended up going into the net from a tight angle for Fujieda 2, Shimizu 0 at full time. Possibly the finest result in Fujieda's history, certainly as a J-League member, fantastic uh, afternoons work for them, and they sit in 12th place and can surely start planning for another season in J2 in 2024. Shimizu uh, sit third in the table, a single point now behind their despised local rivals Iwata, who are second. And of course, they will go head-to-head at Nihon Daira in round 38. Uh, We'll talk about that uh, later. Van Kofu warmed up for their Asian Champions League home opener against Buriram with a win over Mito. Uh, It finished Kofu 2, Mito 1 at JIT Recycling Stadium. Kofu had to come from behind though, with Mito opening the scoring in the 23rd minute when Motoki Ohara's left wing cross was powerfully headed in by Mizuki Ando, Kofu did draw level about 4 minutes before the break thanks to a mazey dribble from Motoki Hasegawa a fortunate deflection off Mito's Hidetoshi Takeda allowed Hasegawa to burst into the penalty area and then he rolled the ball through Mito keeper Rui Yamaguchi's legs to make it Kofu 1 Mito 1 at half time And Kofu then got their winner about 20 minutes from full time when Kazushi Mitsuhira dinked the ball into the penalty area for Peter Utaka. His touch was a a bit loose but that set up Cristiano who fired into the bottom corner from the edge of the six yard box. A lot of the Mito players were complaining of an offside against Cristiano. I think he was just about level um, based on what I could see on the replay. But the game finished Kofu 2, Mito 1. That means Kofu stays sixth but just a point ahead of 7th place Nagasaki. And Mito sit 13th, a full 12 points clear of the relegation zone, and uh, surely we'll see them in J2 again next year. Elsewhere, Montedio Yamagata's playoff hopes took a hit, with a 1-0 home defeat against Tokushima, who continued to ease their relegation fears. The full-time score here was Yamagata nil, Tokushima 1. Early on, Tokushima keeper Jose Aurelio Suarez had to make a good save with his feet from Yoshiki Fujimoto, But Tokushima went ahead in the thirty-fourth minute when a right-wing free-kick from Ryota Nagaki was headed in by defender Takashi Abe from about 6 yards for 1-0. In the second period, Yamagata came close to an equaliser on a couple of occasions. Suarez had to make another good save from a low Fujimoto drive, and right at the end, Yamagata centre-back Keisuke Nishimura volleyed wildly over the crossbar after a goal scramble. But Tokushima held on, and it finished yamagata nil, Tokushima-1, Yamagata stay four points adrift of the playoffs in 11th while Tokushima are in 14th and look like they can start to relax and prepare for life in J2 again next season. All right I think that's all from me for part one but please stay tuned in a moment James Taylor has the rest of the J2 action from round 37 uh, plus a reminder of how Kofu got on in that Asian Champions League game on Wednesday night so please stay tuned and here comes James.
1: J2 it's your time. Thanks John, James Taylor here with the rest of the games and I have to start in Shimonoseki where 20th took on 21st, Renofo Yamaguchi against Zegen Kanazawa. Six points separated the teams before kickoff, for Kanazawa this game represented their last realistic chance of survival. They almost got off to a dream start when Yudai Kumura played in Masamichi Hayashi after just 30 seconds but the shot went wide and sure enough Yamaguchi made Kanazawa pay a quarter of an hour later. A free kick floated high into the box over the backpedalling keeper Yuto Shirai off the post and to the feet of Kim byon yong who gratefully tapped in his first goal for the club. Worse was to follow for Kanazawa six minutes later as Tsubasa Umeki received the ball on the right touchline a long way from goal and with two defenders close to him. He nutmegged Honoya Shoji, left Leo Baya standing, nutmegged Keita Fujimura, held off Shoji and hit a shot over the sliding Norimichi Yamamoto and Shirai for 2-0. Another disastrous start in a vital match for Kanazawa, who made two changes at half-time. One of them had an initial uh, impact. Junya Kato was played in by a deft flick from Koya Okuda to shoot past Kentaro Seki a minute into the second half. But Umeki restored the two-goal lead in the 53rd minute, easily evading the attention of Fujimura and Shoji to rifle a shot past Shirai from 20 yards. Kanazawa had a lifeline in the 77th minute when Kato was tripped in the penalty area, His spot kick was saved, but he scored the rebound 3-2 with 13 minutes to play. That's how it finished though, Yamaguchi 3, Kanazawa 2. The gap now 9 points. It looks like safety for Yamaguchi and relegation for Kanazawa. To make matters worse for Kanazawa, Iwaki FC shocked leaders Machida Zelvia at the Gion Stadium, racing into a 3-0 lead before holding on to win 3-2. With half an hour played, Iwaki won a free kick on the edge of the Machida area, and Yuto Yamashita curled it left-footed into the top left corner. Ten minutes later, Kaina Tanimura doubled the lead with a rocket from 20 yards. And 32 seconds into the second half, Ryo Endo volleyed in from 8 yards to make it 3-0. Five minutes later, Machida pulled one back through a Jangmin-Gyu header at a corner, and Mitchell Duke made it a one-goal game with five minutes of the 90 remaining, stretching to redirect the cross at the near post. Iwaki held on for 3 vital points, they're 10 ahead of Kanazawa and Omiya now. Majida's lead is cut to 6 points as Jubilo Iwata moved into 2nd with a 1-0 win at home to 6th place Viva and Nagasaki. The goal came in the 34th minute, a long ball over the top to Hiroki Yamada who held off a defender and shot over the onrushing Go Hatano from just inside the area. From the restart, Iwata gained possession in midfield and Rio Germain hit the post. And then at the other end, Juanma Delgado was denied by a good save from Ryuki Kimura. Dudu hit the post for Iwata midway through the second half, and later forced an acrobatic save from Hatano as Nagasaki struggled to get a foothold in the game, and fell to their second successive defeat, which drops them to 7th in the table. Also near the top of the table, 4th place Tokyo Verdi registered their 3rd consecutive draw, this time away to Zasper Ksatsuguma. Verdi's Itsuki Someno almost scored in the 37th minute, blocking an attempted kick upfield field by a very casual Masatoshi Kushibiki, but it spun just wide of the post. Not many shots on target in this one, it ended goalless. Verdi stay fourth, Gunma stay 10th. And the last of the weekend's games, Jeff United Chiba further enhanced their playoff credentials with a 5 0 thrashing of Fagiano Okayama in Okayama. Summer signing Mendes opened the scoring in the 5th minute, heading a corner past keeper Daiki Hotta, who was distracted by holding an opponent's shirt and appealing for a free kick. Dudu made it 2 in the 20th minute, a curler from the edge of the area. Okayama captain Yasutaka Yanagi tripped Hiroto Goya in the 31st minute to concede a penalty, which Goya scored to make it 3-0 at half-time. 3 became 4, just 3 minutes into the second half, Goya turning and shooting into the bottom corner from 18 yards. Things went from bad to worse for Okayama as Ryo Takahashi was shown a red card for bringing down Kazuki Tanaka. Incidentally, both players who appear to have dyed their hair grey in the 53rd minute. Yanagi tried to argue that he would have got across to cover, but the referee deemed that Takahashi was the last defender, so he had to go. Hiro Kormori scored Jeff's fifth in the 68th minute, heading in from close range after a good save by Hotta. And when it's not your day, it's really not your day. In the 78th minute, Okayama's Takea Kimura went down under minimal contact in the Jeff area and was booked for diving. Jeff win 5-0. They're still 5th, but only 2 points behind Tokyo Verde and have won 7 in a row. Okayama stay 8th, 2 points off the playoffs. There was J2-related football on Wednesday night too, as Vanfuree Kofu played their first home Asian Champions League game at the National Stadium. Their opponents were Buriram United of Thailand, who'd won their opening game 4-1. Kofu, of course, drew theirs 0-0 against Melbourne City. A crowd of 11,802, boosted by supporters of many other J-League clubs, was in attendance. Midway through the first half, Kofu keeper Michael Wood tipped a 25-yard effort over the bar as Kofu withstood pressure from a string of Buriram corners. The home side's first chance fell to Peter Utaka on the half hour, but he shot over from the edge of the area. Early in the second half, Kofu's Kaito Kamiya saw his header saved and then Michael Wood and Shion Inoue both did well to keep United from scoring. Kofu's Ryotaro Nakamura sent a low header across goal and off the post in the 76th minute, and it looked like consecutive nil-nil's to start the campaign for Kofu. But in the 90th minute, a booming cross from the right by Cristiano was met perfectly by the head of Masaki Hasegawa. Kofu won, Buram United nil. Joy on the Kofu bench, delirium in the stands. Kofu stayed second in Group H on goals scored, Behind Melbourne, But what a night for Kofu. What a night for all of J2. That's all from me. Coming up next is John chatting to Sean Carroll. J2, it's your time.
0: Hi again, everyone. John Steele here, uh, ready for some J2 chat for this part of the pod. And uh, a very special guest is with me uh, to help that, uh, help that along. It's Sean Carroll. Sean, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. Thanks, mate. Good to chat to you again. Yeah, fantastic. We've already been on the call for quite some time yeah uh, we didn't record well sadly or maybe maybe luckily for for us Mm. and and some of the people in our Mm. lives it's been uh it wasn't being recorded
0: yeah i think i think lawyers everywhere (laughs) will be will be happy that the last two hours doesn't exist uh, anywhere (laughs) on any recording software well we um,
2: say that but these days with you know with big uh big social media i'm sure uh i'm sure ian skype Ian yeah, Skype has, uh, has got it somewhere. That's right.
0: Well, if we get cancelled, it's been a, it's been a fun ride up to this point. So thank thanks thanks for everything. <laughs> thanks for everything. And that's, that's, Sean. that's
2: actually quite a good career move for people these days. I think getting cancelled, it tends yeah, to work maybe. out quite well for some people. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: you can't um, you, you hear more from them after being cancelled. I think a lot yeah. of the time, which is something. Yeah, but, um... it's
2: almost as if they haven't actually been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, nice,
0: good good digression to get us started, uh, Sean. But it's it's a while since we <laughs> chatted, so it's nice uh, nice to uh, to talk to you again. And I think. Um, no, no time to waste or no more time to waste I should say and Sean, I think we'll start our chat uh, I know this is a J2 J2 centric uh, section of the podcast but we better start mm. with the um can't really believe I'm saying this but the Asian Champions League uh, yeah. because our, our J2 uh, J2 representatives are uh, Kofu they they won uh, 1-0, didn't they, last night against Buriram at yes. home at uh, Kokuritsu Kyogujo in, in Tokyo, the the, the home ground for, for ACL games. And you were actually in the stadium. So, um, I was, uh, yes. Yeah, first of all, ju- just give us a quick rundown of, of the game. I, I thought it was, uh, I just watched a little bit live and then I watched the highlights this morning. It was nip, nip and tuck, I thought, fairly mm. even. Uh, but you, you can't really begrudge Kofu getting that, that late winner from uh, Motoki Hasegawa, I suppose. But um, how did you see it uh, inside the stadium, Sean?
2: Yeah, well, I think first of all, yeah, it was great to see. Obviously, you know, the national stadium is massive, so there was, uh, I think, it was about eleven. It was eleven thousand eight hundred something fans. So, it's not a massive attendance for for that stadium. It was still, you know, quite quite sparsely attended. But for for Colford, for a team of Colford's size, um, and the fact that obviously they were playing sort of a hundred odd kilometers away from home, that was the first thing that it was great to see. So many fans were in the stadium, and obviously, it kind of got picked up a little bit by. Um, by the media, but I think there were quite a few fans of other J league clubs that were there kind of to lend their support, which was, yeah, it was, I sometimes find that that kind of like, um, that kind of stuff that happens here all a bit too nice, a bit too sickly. The, the kind of the camaraderie between, between fans of different teams. But I thought that was nice. You know, it's a second division team. They, they're probably never going to be in the ACL again. Um, and so that, that was good to see. And yeah, football wise, they, they've looked, they've looked quite good in their first two games. They're essentially playing their B team. Um, which is a an interesting decision. I was, I was a bit disappointed when I saw the the lineup for their first game away at, at Melbourne. The fact that they didn't seem to be um, I don't know if you say taking it seriously, but they seem to be prioritising getting promotion um, as as opposed to, to seeing how far they can go in this competition. Which um, I ended up I think I tweeted a bit about it, and Thomas Pennington kind of said, well, you can kind of understand it. Um, and I, I can I, I see his point of view and I yeah I, I do understand it from a, a sort of club management point of view, but from a purely kind of like sporting I guess more kind of romantic point of view, it's just a shame that that's what football has has become now that you can't just be like well we're in this competition in the Champions League let's go for it let's put our best team out and, and see how we go and make, make some memories, um, and then obviously um, the the call for manager knows more than I do because he's be almost c team i mean michael wood and uh camilla whose first name i've forgotten he's played so i want to say utah or utah maybe Mm camilla um they've only played made one appearance each in the league and they've now made two appearances in the champions league um and they've looked they've looked good i think i think you're right yeah maybe a draw would have also been fair yesterday um but kofu of the two i think kofu probably had slightly the better chances Mm. um and in their away game against melbourne they probably should have won it as well um but they mm. they were playing some nice stuff yesterday at times too i was sat with um michael plasto a kind of veteran uh, english guy who's been covering the j league for for a long long time um and we were saying yeah they they're actually playing some some nice football trying to pass it out from the back and build up and you know these are players that are not playing regularly um in j2 so it was it was impressive to see that you know they've got that kind of strength in depth, um, mm, mm. and yeah, I spoke to a couple of the players afterwards, and and Peter Utaka was saying that like you know it's it's, it's amazing that these players who are, he even admitted like this is pretty much our you know our B team, the fact that the B team is able to play. Play this well on this stage is uh is pretty
0: remarkable. No, I totally agree. I think it's a uh, Kaito Kamiya, the the player that you mentioned.
2: Kaito Kamiya. Yeah, he's on maybe... loan from Kawasaki, maybe.
0: uh yeah, I think that's right. He had a pretty good, uh, good kind of looping header, didn't he? In yeah, the, the very first that Produced a, a great good save, by save by the keeper. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely in terms of chances created, uh, Kofu just just shaded it. But I, mm. I agree with your comments, Sean. I think they in both games. I mean, they were much the better side against Melbourne. On mm-hmm. match day one, they should have probably got all three points from that game, and I think they, yeah, they just about edged it by virtue of uh, scoring a goal, didn't they, last night? And Motoki Hasegawa, yeah. you don't you don't really associate him with kind of leaping, leaping like a salmon at the back post and powering no, in a header. Not, so that was well, he an unlikely that. He source. Was
2: into the, he was brought into the press conference and kind of said, like, yeah, it's not really his um his specialty, but obviously being able to do it. I mean, yeah, as well. Like, if, you, if you're gonna get the win, a nine a ninetieth minute winner. At Tokyo National Stadium, on your you know your first home game in the Asian Champions League, um, they all got to you know obviously the whole team, the whole bench emptied, and they were all sprinting down behind the goal. It's quite a long way to get to the fans because it's a obviously it's the yeah, Olympic I think, Stadium the running track.
0: I, I would have needed oxygen if I was Shinoda after, well, it's after, funny, after running funny down
2: there. He yeah, because Shinoda stormed down there as well, and he was asked about that. The last question in the press conference, someone said like, "Oh, you know, it was sort of slightly uncharacteristic of you to go down there," and he he kind of said, "Yeah." just you know everything kind of went blank he said i just kind of i just took off he said my aim was to get to motoki to get to Hasegawa." he said but you know i was kind of disappointed with my sprint speeds really gone he's like i'm a bit shocked at how uh, how out of shape i am he said i kept kind of bumping into the doctors and other you know other other people on the staff he said but i finally got to him Mm. um so that was a yeah that was quite a nice a nice touch too but yeah 90th minute winner um, in that kind of environment. Um, well, well he's
0: fantastic. He, he might have some more chances to uh, to improve that sprinting speed mightn't he because you know they've, they've got four points from the first two games yeah. and two clean sheets you, you, you'd give them a bit more than a, a sort of puncher's chance of getting to the knockout stages wouldn't you I know it sounds uh, crazy but based on the evidence of the first two games they don't really have anything to to worry about from from Melbourne or Buriram, you you feel.
2: Yeah, this is the thing now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, um, I asked Utaka and I asked Cristiano yesterday the same question. I kind of said, well, are you a bit worried now that like, maybe the opposition are going to start taking you a bit more seriously? Perhaps they came into these games thinking, oh, it's a second division team, you know, we, we should be all right kind of thing. Um, and Utaka said, well, yeah, I think that did happen. He said, when I played for, for better teams in this competition... Or oh, he said, I think he said when he played for like the likes of Tokyo or whatever, he said if we were playing a J2 team in the cup, that was how you'd go into the game. You'd just be like, oh, well, we're going to win anyway. It'll be fine. He said you, you do underestimate them. You can't help it. You just feel like, you know, obviously we're a better team, so we should win. Um, mm. And Cristiano said something interesting. He said that the Brazilian players in the squad, it's three or four of them. Mm. He said they were just talking about that in the in the dressing room. Like, you know, hang on a minute. We, we started really well it's going to get more difficult now. Teams are maybe going to start to to be preparing a bit more to, of how to stop us now that they've seen us, you know, they've been able to scout us for two games. They've got that footage to, to look over. Mm. We're going to have to step up. We can't just sort of, you know, ride this wave and, and think this is going to be enough. So mm. I think the next one is going to be, the next game I think is against, uh, I don't know how you say it, is it Zhejiang? Zhejiang? I don't mm. know how you, my Chinese uh, is, is rusty. To sounds, say the sounds good to me. Um, they've got them, I think it's away from home.
0: Yes, that's right.
2: Um, So that one, if they can pick up at least another point from that, then yeah, five points after three games, a couple of home games left. Melbourne obviously have the kind of excuse of when they played that game, they were still in pre-season. The A-League hasn't started yet. So maybe by the time the second game rolls around, um, I'm not entirely sure when the A-League starts, but I think it must be soon-ish. If they're then in their season and maybe a bit more up to speed, it might be a they might present a, a tougher challenge because I think Melbourne won yesterday away in China. So, mm. but yeah, I mean, again, the fact that it's something we're talking about, I don't think we'd really expected. When I saw the squad that they sent to Australia for their first game, I thought, oh, this could get this could get quite messy. We could be looking at three, four, five nil defeat. Um, but the fact that yeah, we were asking the players yesterday, like you know, how far do you think you can go? Can you get through the group? And they were. They were talking about it as you know, sort of. It was almost like you know, mm. yeah. Our initial aim is to get through the group and then see. And you're kind of thinking, Hang hey, on
0: a minute, this is a that's a, that's fighting is talk, a, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, this
2: is this is a J two team in in the Champions League, um, and obviously the the Asian Champions League is not viewed in this part of the world in the same way as the the European Champions League is by mm. by clubs there. It's still kind of a, a slightly un. Um, I don't know how you say it, not an unusual tournament. It's, yeah, it's just viewed differently. There's not, mm. not the same kind of prestige attached to it.
0: Well, there isn't the um, same kind of uh, money attached to it either, uh, is a Sean? Because I was reading an article that Dan it tweeted out from, I think, Sportiva about how it's actually mm. like being in the group stage and holding the games at, at Kokuritsu in Tokyo. It's actually putting Kofu in the red, isn't it? Uh, I yeah. think. And they needed to, was it? They, they needed, to, to, there's a break even attendance of like 6,000. They need to get at least 6,000 right. fans to Well, they the almost
2: doubled that yesterday. Yeah, so they, that's, they
0: have. That's good and for them. That, that was kind of my, something that I always find interesting when you get a midweek where there's, there's European Champions League and Asian mm. Champions League taking place because the contrast between them, even though they have ostensibly the same name and it's the same yeah. competition, they're very different, aren't they, in terms of, you mentioned, I think, pr- prestige maybe is one thing, but also just the financial rewards have been in the competition, it isn't a no-brainer like it is, for example, for for Newcastle back in the in the Premier League to throw all their eggs into the Champions League basket. That's a no-brainer this season. Yeah. Uh, whereas well, if you, definitely... if you're a, a J League team, it's not quite the same. It's, it's more of a brainer, you know, because the, the financial rewards. Well, there's there's more risks than rewards in the group stage, almost.
2: Yeah, for sure, and it, it ties in, I think, with the comment I made before about like it being disappointed that the way clubs prioritise things. It is a shame that. I guess it always has been to a a degree, but the the driving force of money now in in football means that, you know, well, yeah, it's the Champions Mm -hmm. League, it's playing against the best teams in Asia, but it's going to cost us money and if we get promoted to J1, our budget will go up, we'll have more money, even though we might end up being the whipping boys in J1 for a year, you know, it's preferable from a business point of view for that to happen. Mm. Than to to go far in the ACL, which is a shame. Um, mm. And I also mm. feel like there's just this issue in in Asia in general. I, I know a few a few guys that work in in different countries in in this part of the world, and and we discuss it a few times. You know, why why is the ACL not really seen as that interesting? We we sort of stumbled upon the point that people in Japan, football fans in Japan, might support a J League team, and after that, they're interested in European football. Mm. And it's the same in Korea, and it's same in Malaysia, same in Australia you a lot of people might only follow european football but if you're a if you support a domestic team too after that you'll probably watch european football not many people in japan pay any interest including and i include myself in this into into other asian leagues i don't really know what's happening in the k league in australia certainly when it comes to thailand philippines indonesia like i i don't follow it so you don't have that interest whereas Fans in England, in France, in Germany, in Italy—like you know about these big clubs. In, you know, for Newcastle playing against PSG, playing against AC Milan, like it's a big deal. These are huge clubs you're playing against. They've got history, they've got big players, and it, it's a sense of occasion. But mm. um, you know, the J League teams—you're playing against Olsan or you're playing against Incheon, or you're playing against Jeju, or whatever. Like, you're playing against a K League team. They're not really seen as. Uh, uh, like a specific opponent, it's just we've got a Korean team and an Australian team, and and you even get it from the players sometimes in the, you know, in their comments they'll talk about the opponent as oh you know we've got the team from Korea
0: next. Well, it reminds it's me of almost... when the when the national team is like arranging warm-up games for the World Cup, uh-huh. right? And if there's an African team in the group, they'll arrange a friendly against a different African yes. team to, to prepare. And so, do they, do they play yeah. with the same formation? It's like, no. Yeah, same yeah. tactics? No. Or oh, well, But they're from the Absolutely. same continent, so it'll we'll, be good preparation. So, yeah, I yeah. think that, yeah, there are one or two rivalries, aren't there? But nothing, um, n- nothing that really... Leaps off the page when you look at the fixtures. No, the ACL, there, there's a
2: couple, and it, it's good. And I think as there's everything, it, it takes time. You need time for those rivalries to build. You need, you know, clubs on the whole are not in the ACL every year, so you have not. And then you've got the draws and the chances of playing these teams and whatever. So, mm. you know, you need decades really for these for these rivalries to build up, for things to happen, for the league for the competition to develop. So, mm. but I still feel like yeah, for in terms of sort of the. The atmosphere and the prestige side of thing. I think, yeah, they obviously, like you said, the the lack of, of money relatively mm. compared to what's available, even in domestic competitions, uh, and obviously certainly compared to the European Champions League. But for fans too, like it's you know, how appealing is it to go out on a on a drizzly Tuesday night to mm. watch to watch your, you know, you, I know people that have got season tickets for for Marinos and whatever, and then, you know the ACL games are not included, so then it's extra. Mm. extra expense it's it's you know in the middle of your working week you're working five days a week going out getting home late like you know it's extra effort, um Mm. to to make so it's yeah Mm. all these things build into it so for cold food to be it just adds something a bit a bit a bit of freshness too like you know i could have gone to reds last night too but it was like you know similar thing like do i really want to traipse out to all the way out to deepest darkest side tomorrow on a tuesday night to watch Reds probably hammer a team from, I think it was the team from Vietnam, right? Hando that's right. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that isn't, you know, in a, in know, two thirds empty Saitama stadium, is that going to be that, you know, especially enjoyable? Not, not really. Obviously the, the times that Reds have won it you know, the games against our Hilal, the finals there, the, the atmosphere has mm. been up there with the best I've ever experienced in a football mm. stadium anywhere, but that's for the final. Yeah, so sort of their first home group stage game.
0: It's just like you know, I, 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 think as well, you know, Urawa will be back in the ACL, you know, sooner rather than later. Whereas Kofu, like you said, I was in uh, I was in sort of central Tokyo at lunchtime yesterday for work, and I bumped into three uh, Kofu mm. fans who were like already there from uh, yes. from Yamanashi. So for them, it's a big. It's a big deal and it's very exciting. And I was really, uh, like you, I was worried beforehand, well, they're going to lose the first three group games heavily and be Mm. eliminated and then they're going to have three sort of damp squibs and it's going to leave them with a financial hole rather than any kind of boost. But it's not gone like that. They got four points from the two games and I'm sure a lot of fans, uh, like you said, sometimes that kind of of brotherhood of the J-League can get a bit much if you're coming from Mm. a European perspective. But it was nice to see fans of different teams um, you know wearing yeah. their uniforms in their stadium last night and as you mentioned Cockroach there's plenty of space for more people if they wanted to come in and, and see yeah. the game well, and- officially
2: after now after this you know after the first game they won you might see you know it might only be another few hundred or you know, mm. a thousand or so people might have seen that and gone oh I didn't realize they were playing like I, I spoke to a journalist friend a couple of days ago mm. and said oh you're going to the cold food game on Tuesday and he sort of laughed. I went, oh, you're going all the way to Colford? I said, no, no, they're playing at National Stadium. And oh, I didn't realise. Mm. So maybe now you know, there'd be other, there's plenty of football fans in in Tokyo who you know, enjoy going to watch games, and maybe they didn't even realise. Mm. So Kofu now will be getting picked up in the media now, and people might go, oh, hang on a minute, yeah, you know, didn't realise mm. they were playing there, and oh, they, they're doing well. Okay, the next game, go along and add this, you know, support them again. And yeah. again, it was something I asked I asked Utaka about it, and said, or maybe it might have been Dan actually. Dan Allawicz was there too. He might have asked this question, but. He asked something about um, them playing in National Stadium as opposed to at home, and, you know, how did he feel about it? And Utaka sort of grinned and went, you know, with all respect, everything is better here. You just see the changing rooms here compared to in Colfer. He's like, and you could see the excitement for the players. You know, they don't get to play at National Stadium that often. Mm. So there's all of that. And then you bring in the atmosphere of the fans, you know, almost 12,000 fans there Mm. as well, you know, all the, the sort of, the pomp and circumstance that goes with it, all the, the anthem and stuff as you come out and the flags and all of that stuff that they're not used to for, for the J League games. Mm. Um, so I think there's that level of excitement. I mean, for these, you know, the the press box, as, as far as they do erupt in Japan, you know, everyone's fairly reserved here. But when the goal went in, even in the press box, there was a lot of cheering and, and kind of applause. And you just kind of, for a moment, I was thinking, God, there's, the guys behind the goal, who've been supporting colby since day 1. You know, there's plenty of them that would have been supporting them when they were just a rubbish team in J2 and they've been promoted and relegated. They've been through a lot of a lot of fairly average experiences or you know underwhelming experiences like 90% of football fans in the world go through their whole, Yeah, their you, whole
0: time. yeah, that's right. That's right. To you have to grab memory Yeah, you have to grab of, these opportunities when they come along for sure.
2: They were they were behind the goal that day when Hasegawa scored their first goal in the Champions League, that was a winner. You know, that's something that they'll be able to talk about literally for the rest of their lives. You know, they'll be able to say in 10, 20, 50 years, like, I was there for that game. And Kofu might never, you know, might probably will never be in the Champions League again. But that now is a is a memory for them. And that for me is what football should be about. Like that kind of thing is is what is so enjoyable about about all sport is that it's it's unpredictable and it creates these these moments that are you know they're unscripted they're, well, they're yeah, there for I mean- people
0: yeah, let, let's get it mentioned now. Like I, I've seen, I've seen Stoke City home and away in the like knockout stage of the Europa League against Valencia. Yeah. Whereas, like if you say that to people now, they're sort of like they're pressing the panic button and getting the men in uh-huh. the men in white coats to take you <laughs> away. But it really happened, and I was there, and I yeah, I remember it. So yeah, for, yeah. for the supporters of like you said, a s- smaller team and let's Ooh. be honest, less successful team like like Kofa. I think we've even on the pod labeled them unsexy in the past. Uh, yeah, well, which I mean, they we, are? You know, They're not uh... Yeah, it's it's a provincial, uh, you know. Yeah. it's a small small town club, isn't it? And they do really mm. well to get as many fans as they do, and they've done well in in the J League to be as successful as they have. I yeah. think, down years, but yeah, to see them on the sort of next, like at the moment, the buzz the buzz around the team is is next level, and uh, I've always mm. thought J two is the best league in the world, and it's just more evidence. There to, you go. Yeah, to support yeah. more them. evidence to back you yeah.
2: up now. People are. Those that's men in right. white coats are gradually stepping away from yeah. you, thinking, "Hang
0: on a minute, that's right. maybe
2: we're maybe we're
0: the ones who are crazy." That's yeah. right. Yeah, put yourselves <laughs> put yourselves in the van, lads. Yeah, that's right. Um, Sean, we're, we're relentlessly positive uh, so far, which is good. And I want I want to keep that going, uh, but it's going to be tricky as I move you on to the next topic. I think we better talk about J two. Uh, you know, the bread and butter domestic mm-hmm. stuff as well. And there's one team in particular that you expressed uh, an interest in talking about, and I was happy because we actually haven't covered them much uh, as much as in previous years on the pod you see it's only uh, it's Jeff Jeff Chiba, yeah um, who are if you glance at the league table right now and I've refreshed it to make sure it's not some error on <laughs> on my side but they are fifth in the table uh they're inside the playoff zone by five points with five games to go and they're on this run of seven straight wins yeah and i believe you're going along to watch them at the weekend to see if they can make it eight so um, yeah, Jeff, and there's a lot of media buzz that seems to have them in the playoffs already. You know, people are yes. getting very excited about this, which is potentially uh, potentially problematic, tempting fate somewhat. But um, w- what have you made of them this season, and especially the last two months where they've just been all conquering? I know they won five nil uh, at Okayama, didn't they, at the, at the weekend? Mm. Obviously, they, they were helped by a sending off, but I think it was already four nil. Uh, at that point and Jeff um it's not often I get to say this I'm gonna gonna savour it Jeff we're absolutely rampant in this game yeah Uh, and uh brimming brimming with confidence another thing we don't often say uh uh, when we're talking about (laughs) Jeff Chiba so uh, tell us where has it all gone right um for for Jeff Sean
2: well I think yeah first of all it's interesting because you said yeah we're, we're being so positive and let's keep it that way and let's talk about Jeff which is certainly possibly the first time that's ever been said on the pod yeah um and the second thing is i i tend to have a habit of of jinxing teams or players like if i write something praising a club or a player or something they invariably go badly and if i write something about how badly teams are doing um they tend to do better so i wrote the article uh last week about the teams at the bottom of j1 not really putting up much of a fight and then your boys were very unlucky to to not win away at Reds, and then Seanan won again.
0: Yeah, um, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask I'm going to ask the J League for a replay.
2: <laughs> that's that's how it's done these days. Yeah. Um. So I'm a bit I'm a bit worried that yeah I'm, I'm jumping on the Jeff bandwagon and, and you know Mito at home. Ordinarily, you look at that fixture for Jeff and go, that's one they're absolutely going to lose. It's just it looks like yeah the game they should probably win, but then they won't. Ninetieth minute they'll concede and lose one nil or something. Um, But yeah, they've been, they've been excellent. I mean, yeah, they've sort of had runs throughout the season as always, where they've looked quite good and they're not great and runs without wins and, and then hit a bit of form. And as you said, now I think, yeah, seven wins in a row is, is obviously excellent. um, An excellent run of form. I think they have one earlier on in the season. And how many was it? Two, four, six, eight. They went eight without a win at the Mm. start of the season. Things were pretty grim. Um, and since then they've picked up, I think they lost three in a row at one point earlier on, but seven wins in a row is fantastic, but can they maintain that form for another five games, you know, to to stay, like you said, they're in the playoff picture now, but it's incredibly tight. Everyone down, pretty much the whole top half of the table still Mm. is within range of the playoffs, so they need to keep this form. They can't afford now to lose one and then go on a three or four game run without a win they need Mm. to maintain this form um and i think what's what's interesting is and what's a bit surprising is they've they've kind of settled now on on the same team the manager doesn't really change that much um and i'm kind of surprised like doodoo came in from imabari and that looked like a very jeff signing Mm. at the time and i thought well why why exactly have they done that aside from the fact that obviously his agent is probably on good terms with with the decision makers there, mm. but he's actually looked quite good. He's added something that was was lacking for them, I think, on that side. They tried a few different players throughout the season, and nothing really clicked. Um, he's looked good. They've just got kind of um, sort of s- steady but and spectacular players kind of all over the pitch. Mm. Um, Tanaka on the right wing doesn't really seem to. To do much when you look at, you know, he hasn't scored that many goals. I don't think he comes out with that many assists, but he puts in a shift. Uh, Kazama, I want to say it's Koya. I know there's two brothers. Who it's are both... Koya, yeah. You're right. Koya, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Is a player who um, um, Stuart Smith might not be very happy to hear this, but I've never really seen what you know what's particularly special about him. He's obviously been around a bit. He was at, obviously Gifu, and I think he went to Nuku as well after that.
0: That's that's another listener gone. Thanks,
2: um, Sean. Sorry, yeah, we're, we're dropping like flies. Um, but, yeah, he's been playing at, in the sort of number 10 role and he's been doing really, really well. Um, they've got uh, Hiro Komori, who I think is excellent. I'm not sure how much longer he'll be there. Um, it's his first year. Um, I think he came in, I want to say he came in from university. I don't think he's that young. Uh, I
0: think that's right. Yeah, I'm sure that there must be a place um, a place being cleared for him on Serets Osaka's bench uh, yeah, as we speak.
2: Yeah, exactly. That is the worry, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he was born in
0: 2000 so he's already
2: 23 so he's not young by by international standards but yeah, for, for the J-League, you know, it's his, it's his rookie season as they like to say but he looks excellent. Um, he was out injured for a bit and then um, Goya I want to say Hiroto? Yes. Terrible with players' first yep. names. Hiroto, yeah. He... Had looked pretty lost for the last couple of years, um, but even he's been scoring the last couple of games and has been filling in for. I think Cornwall, he's back on the bench now. Um, seems to, so. He seems to be fit again, but but Goya's kept his place. Um, and they've just got like. You, I think this is something that is often overlooked um, by many when you know when they look at football, but it's it's not like fifa or or like um sort of fantasy football where you just pick get all the best players and put them on the pitch and it works Mm. you you need to you need to have a a team doesn't necessarily mean you might have some of the better players can't get in the team the players that are technically better or whatever but they just don't quite merge as well with the other players in the squad and jeff seemed to have done really well i mean they've had uh takahashi's been filling in at right back Mm. for most of the season and traditionally he's like a a central midfielder or, or can play at centre-back i'm not sure how much he, he'd played at right back before but they were forced into a situation where a couple of players were out injured or suspended so he had to fill in and now he's he's kind of established as their their first choice right back um hidaka who came in from somewhere in j3 oh
0: yeah, Was it from Iwaki? Iwaki. Okay. yeah
2: he's looked very very good too really sort of solid defensively very sort of positive going forward with some end product um they've just got players kind of all over the pitch who are who are doing well as a unit Mm. um which yeah is not something that we usually associate with with jeff united um Mm. daisuke suzuki was suspended for the last two games the their veteran center back and i was a bit worried how that would affect them um and it yeah, hasn't hasn't really affected them at all. He's been out for those two games. Uh, they've won them both. Only conceded one goal uh, in that time. Um, I, I really like um, Sasaki, the guy who's playing centre back. Yes, the youngster. He's looked very good, very confident. I was at their game away at um, Yamagata a month or so ago, a couple of months ago, and he looked yeah looked very good, very confident on the ball, very self assured. Um, so with him, they've still got Ichiyari as well. They brought in Mendes um, in the mm. middle of the season, and he didn't seem to be getting involved at all. But he's he's come into the squad the last last few weeks, and I think he's, did he he scored one of the goals
0: He, he got him? got the opener, yeah, early yeah. on, yes.
2: Um, so there, yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a bit of a weird situation. And as I said, I don't I don't want to jinx it for them, but yeah, things are looking very positive. For Jeff, at exactly the mm. exactly the right time of the season. Yeah, um, Jeff.
0: Jeff are one of these teams that have made me question how much I really understand football. Because when <laughs> when when they appointed Yoshiki Kobayashi as manager this winter, he immediately went quite near the top of my kind of sack race mm-hmm. uh, list, and I thought that was a pretty uninspiring uh, appointment. And I think at any point, you mentioned they went eight games without a win early mm. on. I, I was kind of expecting them to sack him at any point. Yes. And just appoint some kind of journeyman firefighter manager yeah. instead, and then they've also let players go who I thought would be important for the team, like uh, Rui Suyoshi went on loan yeah. to Okayama, and I think Solomon Sakuragawa he also went on loan to Okayama. Yes, uh, and they lost uh, Keita buonika who's kind of you know who's on the fringes of the first team, but he's mm. gone gone out to Amito, I think. So I was yeah. kind of looking at that thinking, mm, not really sure what the philosophy is here, but uh, I've been proved completely wrong. And I think if you just look at like moving out Solomon Sakuragawa, for example, and then bringing in... You know, Komori's played a lot, Goya's played a lot. You can mm. see that Kobayashi, he, he likes to have mobile forwards. Yes. And uh, I think there's a lot of emphasis on um, mobility, if you like. And mm. I think you could include Hidaka in that, getting up and down the left yeah, uh, yeah, flank sure. as well. So I think that has been something where... Um, I'm gonna to sound a bit basic. I think having a, a mobile front six, if mm. you like, is it counts for a lot in J2. Uh, I think there are a lot of teams that really struggle to, uh, to to deal with that, and they also have so much kind of uh, power at set pieces, don't they? You mentioned Dice, Suzuki. He's popped yeah. up with quite a few goals. Ikari gets a few. Uh, mm. Hidaka, as well as being a, a good crosser and and having a good engine, he he sometimes has the long throw duty yeah as well and so they do have more than one way to kind of um to, to hurt teams if you like but i'm surprised to see them up there in in fifth but just looking at the run in i think they have to still have to play verdi uh, away and then last game of the season last game is at home to nagasaki which feels like it might be a bit of a playoff you know top six shootout mm. potentially but um yeah, yeah based on the, the how much form they're in now and there's only a sort of month month of the season left you you wouldn't bet against them finishing in the top six uh, would you? Well, the short, with, yeah, the
2: thing with J two as well is, as you said, like it's such a. There's teams that are still up in the playoff mix that I was thinking they've been terrible. Like you know, all teams like Oita have been pretty terrible recently. Mm. Uh, Nagasaki are pretty hit and miss. You never really know what what team is going to turn up. um But because of that, because most of the teams are like that, it means that you do get second third fourth chances so um yeah okayama just got battered five nil but they're still only two points outside mm, the mm. playoff places gunma haven't won i think or maybe they've only won one of their last five but they've got a game in hand and they're only three points outside of the playoff places so mm. if you can ride out that rough patch and you know still be within touching range like you said you then you know getting to the the last round of the season second to last round if you're still in if you're still in your own hands it keeps things interesting, obviously for, for us watching, but for every mm. club too. It mm. you know, football obviously always means more when there's something riding on it. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, so for Jeff, I think, like you said, I think it also shows the benefit, and it's it's you can't make general generalizations in this front because it's always dependent upon the individual situation. Mm. But it shows the benefit of not. It's not always the right thing to just fire the manager. Mm. Sometimes results are going to be a bit bad, but if within the team it feels like, well, we're still kind of doing things right. It's, things are still kind of moving in the right direction. We were a bit unlucky there. Results aren't coming. But you can see what the manager's doing. Mm. The players seem to be on board. They rode out a run of, of eight games without a win, and now things are clicking, and the players all seem to be you know united in, in working together, and, and the results are coming. Mm. Um, mm. And obviously, you know, I don't know what, what was going on behind the scenes or whatever, but you look at someone like Yamagata, mm. who fired... Pete Klamovsky, earlier on in the season, um, and he's now coaching FC Tokyo in J1. Mm. And Yamagata are still pretty much where they were, mm. and I think they have been on a run of maybe five or six games without a win or five losses in a row, which is not great. But you do sometimes wonder, like, well, you know, in, was, in a league that the is the as point? open as J2, mm. what? Yeah, are you really going to be any better bringing in Susumu Watanabe, who's mm. yeah, like you said, the kind of firefighter coach who's been around the block and is obviously a decent coach, but he's not, you know, is he is he a, is he an upgrade? Um and that isn't to say that obviously Klamovsky is, you know, necessarily um, a terrific coach either. He's he's had chances at, at Shimizu and at Yamagata and things haven't quite results haven't quite come for him. Um but by all accounts players that have worked on him and stuff seem to like him, seem mm. to seem to buy into the approach. Um I'm sometimes a bit of a sceptic with these kind of these philosophy coaches who are all about about the process and about the number of completed passes and about how much ball possession and I I do think sometimes they they're too focused on that maybe too focused on that side and sort of lose sight of the fact that ultimately competitive sport is about beating the opponent in front of you and if that opponent happens to be Blaubitz Akita and and they're going to be happy for you to to make 800 passes in in the middle third or your defensive third you're you need to find a way to win the game as well mm. Um, mm. but yeah i I think it it does show that sometimes it's it's worth having a slightly longer term view and saying well let's just give this manager two years to mm. to build a team in his image and get the players in like you said they, he got rid of some you know players like Sakuraga or whatever that were maybe kind of assumed to be um sort of regulars and then gave this you know the sort of the new the newcomer Cornwall, he said right well you're now my first choice number nine it works both ways if the coach gives these players his trust the players are then going to want to repay the manager and, and give more than if you just give these kind of players who've been around for a while their place is based on reputation mm. if they players don't have that sense of jeopardy of like what if i don't perform i'm not going to be playing it then means that you know by association they maybe don't respect the coach because they're like well he's not going to drop me anyway so mm. and then you get that that attitude creeps into the team and the other players that maybe are working harder in training but not getting the chances then think, why he's going to pick him anyway and then you don't the team isn't pulling in one direction but it seems that you know that Jeff at the moment everything is is doing well and the team is is all um, is all working together so uh, they will probably lose 3-0 at home to Mito this weekend and not win for the rest of the season now. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we'll we'll have to have you back on at some point to, to review that to action, to, to, to confirm anybody, if uh, you are the yeah. jinx. So, there's only one other player I wanted to mention. Just going back to my uh, my mobility point, which went down well, so I'm gonna 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 beat it to death. But I think um Andrew Kumagai uh, is a player who was kind of played a lot in the last few years and hasn't played much in central midfield this year. I think because they've gone for a bit more of a a bit more of an attacking kind of, you know, outlook with uh, Kazama, with uh, Miki, kind of occupying that middle space. It's just really interesting to see a slight, you know, the personnel hasn't changed that much. Just two or three players have gone out, two or three players have come in. But I think definitely just taking the Akiyama game from the weekend as an example, lots of energy, lots of pace Mm -hmm. about the way Jeff attacked and also just a lot of confidence. And again, it's something that we don't associate necessarily Um, like normally Mito at home Jeff would be terrified wouldn't they and they'd be thinking how can we avoid losing 3-2 in the last minute Um, but I think yeah again to jinx it even more now (laughs) following on from what you said but yeah they they shouldn't really be uh, fearing anybody and we we are close to the business end right five games to go it's not inconceivable that they could keep a good run going um, from now and then once you get into the playoffs if you're the team in form that makes you a scary scary opponent doesn't it yeah uh, yeah, absolutely and I think yeah
2: what something else interesting as well i mean tomo we haven't mentioned him yet Mm. i think he's probably one of their best players Mm. and i felt like there was a point when they weren't doing so well he was he'd been shifted he was basically playing number 10 but he'd been shifted out onto the left wing because of injuries Mm. sometimes he was playing a bit deeper and i felt like he was kind of being wasted there that he Mm. needed to be at the sort of the business end of things because he's so good at that kind of like what as we call it in England, sort of playing in the hole Mm. um but he has formed a really good partnership with with Taishi Taguchi, kind of ostensibly as the kind of two holding midfielders. He does get the mm. license to push on. Mm. Um, and again, yeah, like you said, with, with Kuma, guy who seemed just kind of like, well, we have to play him because he always plays. Yeah, but he's not a bad player. Yeah, that's right. He, no he, was, he was the, he was the he
0: was the destroyer. Really, he's not really a yeah. build up guy. But the players they have in there now can do both.
2: Yeah. Yes, and I think that is yeah that has been key as well. Like having someone like Mickey in there. and then Taguchi, obviously, has been around decent player i think he was was he involved in the national team kind of at some point when he was at nagoya he might have played in a uh, couple of friendlies so. or, or made a training camp or something like he's,
0: yeah he's played he, three times i think it says here three, okay. three appearances yeah
2: um so yeah he you know he's he, he's obviously was a very good player and he you know, still is mm. still got got it for j2 so that partnership um works well mm. um mm. And, yeah, I think the key now, obviously, is, like, yeah, as you said, they, they've been in great form leading up to this crucial part of the season. It's it's can they maintain – obviously, they don't need – well, it would be great. if I mean, if they kept winning, they could still go up automatically because Jubilo plays Shimizu this weekend, um, and they're only five points behind second place. So, you know, if they were somehow to, to maintain this run, even for another, you know, two, three rounds, they could – feasibly get up into the automatic promotion picture as well Mm.
0: um i don't know i don't know what you've had for breakfast sean but i need i need some of it
2: (laughs) (laughs) well just i'm just looking at the numbers sure sure looking at the numbers um so it's it's but what's key now i mean obviously they only need to match the form of of the teams in and around them to to stay in the playoffs now Mm. um Mm. but what will be interesting is if they do lose at mito this weekend How they react to it? Do they just Mm. go, okay, well, we were bound to lose at some point, but we're still in, you know, they're still going to be in the playoff places even if they lose. Mm. Can they shake it off and then go the last four games of the season without losing again to Mm. to stay in the playoffs? Or Mm. does that does that knock their confidence and suddenly they revert to being Jeff of of earlier in the Mm. season or,
0: you know, the past 10 years. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see, isn't it? Mm. And yeah, and I think Jeff, you know, really really good uh, supporter base and a nice stadium yeah. that's been getting mm. seem to be getting uh, more and more full over the past yeah. few home games as they 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 start to do well. So, yeah, even though the club uh, over the last you mentioned the last 10 years been kind of a bit of a basket case and a bit of a joke. I do yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the supporters that they are for once they're going into the the run in and there's something riding on it for them and it's not it's not potential relegation either it's it's potentially no. being in the top six it's fantastic yeah well, it
2: would be great to have them in j1 because i mm. they haven't been a j1 club i've been here for nearly 15 years and they got relegated the first year i came here yes and they were kind of viewed then as a bit of a an institution i
0: think were they one of the original uh yeah that's right yeah yeah
2: so yeah they had that kind of status and they'd won a few cups here and there and things. And, you know, players like Yuki Abe and whatever were sort of associated with... So when they went down, it was seen as kind of a bit of a shock was how I viewed it when I moved here. You know, God, Jeff have got relegated. You know, they'll they'll be back soon. And then I think the first two, three years they were in J2, they lost in the playoffs a couple of years and and then just sort of stagnated. So it, it, it would be great to see them in J1 because, as you mm-hmm. said, they've got the stadium, they've got everything in place to be, a you know... A solid j1 team mm. um but just sort of for selfish reasons it would be great to see them up there because i haven't you know mm. since i moved here Sure, sure. so a, a lot of older football fans here see jeff as you know kind of a historic mm. club in in the japanese game and and i, I do like it to an extent that you know, the younger clubs smaller clubs can now come up we're looking at Machida, probably almost they're going to be up in j1 mm. for the first time teams like Saga and Tosu, whatever have been able to establish themselves in in the first division and are you know comparatively newer newer teams um so it's it's quite nice that the whole Japanese pyramid kind of you get these bigger names um you know the the fact that teams like Shimizu and jubilo are now down in the second tier two is 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 good i think for the overall growth of the game mm. to show that it is um you know football is based on your results you don't can't just you know it's not like american sports or whatever where you just you don't have promotion and relegation and you're just up there and the the, that cycle just keeps churning around the Mm. same fixtures that there is Mm. some kind of merit based system but yeah Mm. it would be great to see jeff back up in j1 to see that stadium full and and taking on kind of the big the big hitters in j1 every week would Mm. be uh yeah it would be good obviously for the for the fans but i think for neutrals and you know, Japan's borders are open again now. So for, for people coming in, football fans that come to Japan and want to take in a game, like, that would certainly be one of my recommendations. Would be to mm. to go and watch Jeff in a in a full stadium. Would be yeah. would be excellent.
0: Yeah, fantastic stadium, and yes, we, we won't have longer uh, too long to wait to find out uh, their their destiny. I suppose from the the end of the season, rushing rushing towards yeah. us as it is. Um, y- you mentioned fixtures, so I'm just going to move you on uh, now. Sean, l- lunchtime uh, fast approaching. That's the next mm-hmm. fixture in our in our immediate future, I suppose. But <laughs> um, should we talk about the, the J2 weekend coming up? So we're already yeah, yeah we made it to round 38, which is uh, scarcely believable, but it uh, we're are where we are and the games are split um pretty evenly four on uh, saturday october the 7th yep. And six on Sunday, October eighth. The there's no game for Kumamoto this weekend because they're involved in the the Emperor's Cup semi-final. So I'll talk about that in a yeah. moment as well. Well, but they
2: already played. They already played it. Didn't that's they? right. They played last against week
0: Tokushima Jason? last last mid-week. Yeah. Or the mid-week yeah. Before. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, I did
2: wonder at the time why why that was being played then, and then it, the penny dropped a couple mm, of days ago. Yeah.
0: There's there's always a reason, even if it's a crazy one in in the J League. That's what's that's what I've learned. But uh, yeah, so well, sure, Saturday, October the 7th, it, for my money, the two biggest games of the round are, are front loaded at 2pm on mm-hmm. Saturday because you've got Omia yeah. against Yamaguchi, uh, 22nd against 20th. I mean, Omiya just must win that game. Uh, Mm -hmm. you have to feel. And then you mentioned already the the big Shizuoka Derby, Shimizu against Iwata. That's also at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Third hosting second. And uh, not to make it simplistic, but it feels like that might be a shootout for the the second automatic promotion uh, spot. Then at 3 p.m. on Saturday, it's a Tokyo Verde hosting Oita. That's fourth against ninth. And then another playoff contender is in action at 5 p.m. It's Nagasaki at home to Fujieda. So seventh hosting 12th. At five PM. Um, what do you make of the Saturday games? Uh, Shona, Omiya, Yamaguchi, and Shimizu against Iwata, uh, especially. Um.
2: Yeah. Well, I think yeah. The 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 last two you mentioned. I have no idea who's yeah. Either either team could win that, and I wouldn't be surprised. And yeah, they've not really. Verdi and Oita, yeah, still in the playoff picture. Oita, I think, have been pretty miserable for a while now. I don't think they really deserve to be in the playoffs. Um. Verdi, yeah, solid enough. Um got uh, yeah, got some good players. I think the whole front three are pretty much on loan from, from other from J one teams. Um but Verdi, yeah, I think have been consistent enough over the season. But yeah, either of those could win. Nagasaki Fujieda, no idea who could win um that one. Oh Mia, yeah. They have to win, but I mean they have to win every single game now, I think. Um and I'm not sure I'm just not sure they have enough not not necessarily quality wise I just think mentally, the strain of needing to win your last six games to even stand a chance of staying up mm. um even though yeah they've they've picked up um compared to their form earlier in the season they have picked up a bit recently, they've won a couple in a row now, they went I think four or five games without defeat um back in the in the summer, but then they hit another run without winning I just think. I think it's too tall an order. They've given, left themselves way too much to do. I listened to the pod you did. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago with James, where you were talking about them and Kanazawa. Just yeah, they've lost a lot more games than everyone else. They both deserve to go down over the course of the season. Um,
0: well, I think after the Yamaguchi game, Omiya have got uh, Fujieda away, Kofu at home, Shimizu away. And then Verdi at home on the last day. So to get, you know, three or four wins from those four games will be an amazing achievement if they can yeah. get it.
2: And I think even if they do, you're still gonna need Yeah, you still need Yamaguchi or Tochigi, possibly Iwaki or Sendai to to go three, four, five without a win. it's not just a case of it's in our hands, if we can pick up two or three wins we're safe. Like they've just they've been terrible. Not even just this season, but for too long now, mm. something has been left to to stagnate within the club because the players they've got, there's no way they should be. I don't think they should be up in the, near the top of the table, but they should comfortably be sitting around where Mito, Tokushima, Fujieda are. Mm. Um, the fact they're not is, yeah, is sort of an indictment on on the way the club has been run. I don't I don't know exactly what has gone wrong, but um, yeah. I just think mentally, their shot, and the same for Kanazawa, who yeah, we're not talking about just yet, but they looked like they've already kind of accepted their fate. Uh, they they battled back a bit against Renalfa but the, the players just look like they're, mm. they've already kind of checked out. It reminded me a bit of when Yokohama FC got relegated from mm. J1 the last time. Mm. I went to watch them against Kobe at, at Mitsuzawa with a few games to go, and it was still like, you know, it wasn't decided yet. They still could have could have saved themselves if you know if they picked up the results and they just looked yeah they looked like they'd already thrown in the towel mm. um so i think for all just yeah as you said they've got some tough fixtures there um and i think it's yeah it's just not i think it's not going to happen for mm. them mm. and yeah the shizuoka mm. derby is massive obviously i mean it's one of the few actual derby that, that exist in japan where there's real you know it's a real rivalry built on on all the things that rivalries around the world have built. You know, it's their, their, their local derby. It's a local derby. They've, they've got history way back when the J league started of kind of being two of the the stronger teams. Obviously, Shizuoka traditionally has this, this tradition of, of producing some of Japan's best players and stuff. So you've got some of the kind of legends of the game come through at, at these two clubs. It's, it's a huge game. And with Shimizu having that surprise defeat against Fujieda last week and Jubilo jumping just above them, Jubilo have been in a bit of a, on a bit of a wobble before that. So getting that boost, knowing that now, you know, Jubilo only need, um, really only need a draw. If they can draw that, they'll still be just ahead of, of Shimizu and it will be in their hands. Um, and yeah, obviously Jubilo will know if they can get the win, that, that one point gap becomes four with four games to play. And um, yeah, again, it, it could go either way. i I've, I've kind of, I, think I was one of the few people not to, not to blow my own trumpet, but ahead of the season, a lot of people were kind of writing Jubilo off because they had that transfer ban. Mm,
0: guilty. To, I'm, I'm holding my hands on Guilty. Guilty is
2: charged. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that you were one of them, but yeah. But I, just looking at their squad, I think because they had a transfer ban, and this maybe is kind of linked to the comment I made about Jeff and, and their manager, sort of keeping their trust in their manager. Because they had the transfer ban, they didn't do what, what a lot of J league clubs do and almost because they they feel like they have to do at the end of each season, which doesn't really happen in Europe is there's so much turnover. at A lot of clubs because players are on one year contracts Mm. uh, on the whole in Japan. It's not unusual for 10, 12, 15 or more players to go and the same number to come in. So you just have this kind of almost spring cleaning every year where you make a new team. And because Jubilo weren't able to, they kept the same players and looking at them, it was like, well, he's good he's very good Mm. he's you know got a lot of experience they've got depth in most positions some talented young players as well like i didn't think they would maybe be in the mix for automatic promotion but i felt like they would be good enough to to push for the playoffs Mm. um Mm. shimizu have underperformed they should they should be top the squad they've got um part of the blame obviously goes on to the manager they had before before akiba because he got off to a terrible start, but um, yeah, Shimizu should be top. So if they, if they do only make the playoffs, I think that has to go down as a, Mm. as a underperformance. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's um, going to be going to be very interesting to see how that game goes because the Shimizu supporters are uh, not slow to boo at full time. Uh, I've noticed this season or that uh, you know yeah. early on especially so obviously they they need to have a good performance and a good result especially in the derby like you said it's one of the the derbies that actually has some real needle, isn't it uh, in Japan. So um Sean what what about um Sunday's games? If we talk about October the 8th, we got uh, five games at 2 p.m. On Sunday, so there's a leaders' match. There. They host sixth place Kofu, who will hopefully be recovered from uh, the, the midweek excitement at, at Kokuritsu Kyogijo. Yamagato against Tochigi, so 11th uh, against 19th. Kanazawa against Akita, you know, Kanazawa 21st, in deep trouble at home to Akita. Kanazawa again, it's a must win game for them. Another interesting-looking game, Iwaki against Sendai. Now, it's no surprise to see Iwaki in eighteenth, probably. but Sendai 17th. It's a bit surprising in the table. They're, they're they're bunched together. And the game that you're going to is Jeff Chiba against Mito, isn't it? Sean 5th uh, hosting 13th. And then there's one game in the evening at 7 p.m. It's Gunma against Okayama. So, again, two teams just kind of in and around that kind of top six, 10th uh, hosting 8th. Uh, um, what are you expecting from the the Jeff game, Sean? I suppose you might have answered that already. But any other games that you like to look of on on Sunday?
2: Um, yeah, I think the Jeff one we've sort of covered. I'm just interested to see um, how strong my jinx is um, just by being there. I hope, yeah, hope not. Uh, hope not for their sake. Um, to be honest, I I think the only one that really stands out as interesting to me is, is the evening one. I think the rest of it is just a lot of mm. um, sort of middling. Yamagata, yeah, mathematically still in with a chance, but a bit hit and miss. Tochigia, uh, uh, one for the purists at the best of times. Um, mm-hmm. So that looks like being a bit of a, a game of attrition. Um, I went to Iwaki not so long ago, and I kind of got a bit of a, a soft spot for them now. Um, but I, I have to disagree. I don't really think that game looks especially interesting. I think it's mm-hmm. two of... Mm-hmm. I like Iwaki. I like what they're doing. I think They've got a lot of um, sort of fun players to watch. I like their manager. He seems... Um, a bit of a, what's the word? A bit of a maverick. He tends oh, to I was going to say ca- up... character. No, no, because we, we were talking, um, we were talking before in the green room. And, and for me, yeah, character doesn't necessarily have positive connotations, but I, I mean it in a good sense. He, he tends to mix up the, the formation from one game to the other. Players seem to be shifted around from, from one position to the next. The two guys that started as their kind of holding midfielders at the start of the season are now playing right and left back. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like managers that that mix things up a bit. And Sendai have just been atrocious this season. Just sort of the the archetypal uh, big, you know, you know, comparatively big club in J two, where they just kind of think, oh, if we sign loads of players who were good sort of five years ago, it will just work and we'll get promoted. And it, it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, de call for. I mean. Machida are pretty much confirmed they'd have to really um fall apart now in the last they've got 6 games to go because they've got one in hand but yeah and Corfu just coming off that high albeit with their B team I wouldn't expect many of the players who started on a, mm. started on Tuesday to uh Wednesday sorry to also be starting that game mm. um mm. so yeah you know I think both of those teams would probably be quite happy with a the draw there too mm. Machida would just keep ticking along and Corfu would still be in the in the hunt. Uh, mm. and yeah, Kanazaro I touched on before. I think they're, they're toast and Akita are with with all due respect to, to everybody associated with the club and to a, to Martin Spovia a, just a team I really struggle to to watch or to gain any kind of enthusiasm about its it's proper mm. proper grim stuff, just like four four two, no nonsense, solid, long balls, crosses into the box. Um so, yeah, I would just – it would be – the manager has obviously done a an excellent job. Mm. Uh, I think his first season, they got them promoted. First season up in J2 did really well. They've been pretty solid. I don't think they really even flirted with relegation really at any point since they've been up. But mm. I would ju- I'd just like them to try and be a bit more um, –
0: yeah, well, when not Martin, even expansive
2: mm, in their football; just more adventurous. More, a adventurous. Bit more like Well, I think when yeah, Martin,
0: yeah. when Martin and I talked about it in depth a couple of weeks ago, that was kind of the same point he was making from the Akita yeah. fan perspective. Like, so what is the ceiling the for, for this? What is the ceiling yeah. for this group of players? Yeah, exactly. But also, like, so, what's
2: the point? You know, you're, you're playing mm-hmm. football to try and win. Obviously, again, the money comes into it. You don't want to sort of try and overreach. You know, you, we've spoken about it before where you get these clubs that are in J, they get them into J2 for the first year and say, we're aiming for the ACL, we want to get promoted again and all this nonsense where they're just sort of paying lip service. I mean, Kanazawa did it at the start of this season. We're aiming well, for the playoffs. Don't forget,
0: Omiya put out a statement, I think, when they were bottom after about 22 games saying, we we're still aiming for the top six. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not ideal. I, I
2: don't, yeah, I don't like that stuff and I think obviously clubs of the, the the means of Akita have to you know be careful of not trying to overreach, but at the same time you know w- what's the point? You want the fans to in, you know to enjoy going. It's not going to be like, well, can we grind out another nil nil? Can we mm. maybe get a header in the last minute um, from a corner after just parking the bus? You know, at home like, you know, we mm. we touch upon it so often, but J2 is very open. Mm. So why not? You know, it's better to win one, lose one alternately than mm. just draw twenty games in a row. So I'd quite like whether their manager is capable of doing that, whether he wants to, mm. or whether maybe they need to, to try and you know maybe next year try and uh, you know sort of sex things up a bit.
0: Sounds sounds and, like you want some Brazilian uh, forwards on loan uh, up there. Well, no, I
2: don't even want that. I don't even mean that. I just it would be nice to have a coach you know, someone like Akiba who I sometimes find his his shtick a bit um, a bit sticky. So I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily. Enjoy him as much as a uh, yeah as other people do. I, I like him. I think he's a good coach. I think he's good to have that kind of personality. But sometimes I think yeah he mm. he leans into that that performance a bit too much. But someone like that who comes in and, and yeah you know, we've we've seen it with Odzy at Gunma. Gunma are, are still you know pretty much a sort of a meat and two veg mm. solid, but Odzy has enabled them to become a little bit more.
0: Well, I think that's expensive. a really good. I think that's a really good comparison because I think when you're, if if I was running a football club, if I was the president, if I was in the front office, I would look at similar sized teams to mine, and if they're mm. doing better, I would want to know why. Yeah, um, I would want to know why a club with the same budget as mine pretty much has got ten points more than my team, for example. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely um, definitely things to, um, to to work on for for, Akita for for next year. But yeah, I'm really curious about you know the players. You know They obviously have a lot of good players in the team, but you don't sometimes see how good they are because of the system and the tactics that they, yeah, they have. Absolutely. I think this is a classic. I'm going to get another Stoke, Stoke City reference in before we before we finish on it. It's a bit like when, when Tony Pulis was a manager and we got a reputation for having like a bunch of cloggers, but there's a lot of really good players in the team. But they yeah. played in a way that you didn't get to see necessarily yeah. how good they were. Like no, nobody makes is a professional footballer if they're not very good at football. No, you know. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll leave. A, we'll just we'll just post this uh, post this audio file. You know, print it out and just post it on the Akitah Acu- dressing room. Uh, I see, think so. Yeah. I respond. think that'll work. Yeah. Um, so,
2: but yeah, for me, it's good. Man, I think yeah, we, we just I sort of accidentally segued into them. But that that game for me is the one because. Mm. I, I want them to get into the playoffs. I just think it's nice. You know, similar, we were talking about call at the start of the pod. but it's nice when teams that don't tend to enjoy success mm. get a little bit. So for goodma yeah, it would be great if they got in the playoffs, they probably yeah. wouldn't go up, but I don't think the club is probably ready to be in J1. I think they're probably a little bit nervous that they might actually, mm. um, what was it? There was the, I think it was in a, was it in peep show? Jez didn't, he was in a job interview and he was joking around or whatever and he thought it was going really well and it obviously wasn't and he kind of oh, his he's... internal monologue was like don't accidentally get it <laughs> don't accidentally get the job um and i do wonder if there's maybe an element of that goodman now where they're yeah. like oh, hang on a minute we're really not
0: it's really like not the, ready the yokom fc yokom fc joint yes yeah I, I see i see
2: um but i would i would like them to get in and
0: also because yeah i wrote
2: a a positive piece about them not long ago, and then they instantly went on a run of mm. of not winning. So, mm. yeah, it would be nice. And Okayama, I've nothing against them. I, I do like them, and I think they they probably deserve at some point to go up to J one because they've been knocking on the door for for a while, a long while now. But mm. I think um, I think you're I think right. They'll though. get a chance again. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think you're right. I think whichever team loses that gunma Okayama game, that's going to be quite a costly defeat. I think. Yes. Because that's going to cut them. Not adrift, but it's it's gonna it's gonna leave them with just too much to do to get into the top six. Uh, probably. Well, maybe
2: I, I don't no? know. Oh, okay. It depends. It depends what else happens.
0: Yes, I yeah, suppose so. Let's just others, say but... it would make it more. It would make it harder. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's really good analysis, goodmer, isn't it?
0: Losing a game will make it harder to get well, points. I think, yeah,
2: certainly for Gunma. If Gunma <laughs> lose it, although they've got that game in hand, if they lose and a couple of the other teams above them win, mm. the the gap then suddenly becomes points plus goal difference yes, and I that, think it's probably that's probably a bit
0: why, much that's kind of what I was trying to see you yeah. put it a lot better than I, I could thanks, thanks Sean. Um, one Don't more worry. game quickly Sean before I let you go for lunch um, as well as all the the J2 action uh, over the weekend it's Emperor's Cup uh, semi-final day on Sunday isn't mm-hmm. it October the 8th so at 1 uh, 10 p.m the very specific uh, you know Japanese time of 110, Uh Our J2 boys, Kumamoto, they're up against Kashiwa mm. in the semi-final. Now the game's being played at Kashiwa uh, at Hitachidai, yes. but Kumamoto are the home team and uh, there's precedent for this, isn't there? Because during the, the big earthquake uh, up in Kumamoto, I think they played a game at Kashiwa one yes. of their home games there back in the mm. day so it won't be entirely uh, unfamiliar for them to be in the home dressing room I don't think, although that was a long time ago uh, with it, a very different uh, squad um, w- what are you thinking about this game uh, uh, Sean Kumamoto have knocked off uh, two or three J- J1 teams already yeah. uh, to get this far so there's no um, no well I-, I don't know if it'd even be a shock if they won this game I don't know
2: yeah it's interesting isn't it I think when they when they won the quarterfinal it certainly was a shock um, well to me anyway I think Johnny Nickel predicted it on the on the big pod yeah um, because Roasso were just in terrible form in the league at that point, mm. um, so it was a bit of a surprise then. And obviously, Kashi were at the same time were not going great in in J one. Um, both teams' form has, has picked up sort of in between times, so now they're both coming into it in reasonably good form in the in their leagues. Rayso are now almost almost safe, not not quite, but looking like they've they've kind of pulled just far enough away. And Roasso, mm. I think they won like three in a row I think um, recently Hmm. Um, or maybe yeah I think it was three in a row I think they just lost their last game the midweek one against uh, against Tokushima yeah Yeah. that's right yes they lost that one but they've been in reasonably good form I think one thing is they have had a couple of injuries to to key players Um, the manager Oki likes to just have his 11 and play them every week every game if they have midweek weekend doesn't care gets them out there and plays his best 11, and they have had a couple of injuries. Ray Hirakawa, who's who's crucial for them, was out for a bit, um, just for, I think, two or three games. He, he wasn't starting. Um, and they're two kind of, ostensibly sort of the wingers, the, the wide players in the sort of front three years that they sort of played. Shimamura and um, Matsuoka have both been, had knocks. I think Shimamura's missed the last three and Matsuoka did come back in their last game, so maybe he's fit, but yeah, they, they still don't have a, a number nine, really. Um, they haven't had one, I think, since it was uh, is it Ishikawa got injured at the start. Yeah, Daichi Ishikawa.
0: Yeah, Keeping that's right. They, since... they sold uh, Takahashi, didn't they? I think he scored for Urawa yeah. last night in the yeah. ACL. Yeah. They
2: bought in um, Ishikawa, and he, he started the season really well. And then I think about the end of May, he got injured, and, and they haven't really been able to replace him. They've tried a fair few different options there. And no one has really stuck. Um, so I don't yeah, think they have
0: another kind of target man type physically. No. Phys- physically, do they? You no, know, yeah.
2: exactly. So I think that again they've they've beaten I think two, maybe three J J one teams to get here. So having done that, they they've got nothing to fear in Rayso, and so obviously will be prioritising staying up in in the league. I know it's now the international break, so they don't have to sort of worry too much about rotating and 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 the recovery that usually you would need to take into account for, for playing two games in a week. So I don't think they have anything to fear. I, I think it wouldn't be a surprise if again, it's not, it's not great analysis, but I, I don't think it would be a huge surprise if Russell won. But at the same time, I'm not expecting them to, I think if Ray Sol were to win it, mm. it would be, you know, fairly understandable. And you go, Oh, well, you know, Russell did well. I, um, I like both clubs. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for, for Ray Sol, but I obviously I, I'd love it if, mm. if Roasso got through. I think mm. uh, Roasso again for Qualca final would be would be fantastic. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, I just agree. Just a you.
2: couple of clubs that don't usually get that that opportunity. And as we again to come back once again to Call through, like the winner of that game will be in next year's Champions League. So you know, Frontale are in, in Champions League all the time. Rayso have been in it before. They've obviously won the league and won cups before. So mm. yeah, it would be nice to to see that so I'm, I'm hoping that Roasol can do it and I, I think they've definitely got if if everyone's fit I think their, their best 11 is good enough to beat Roasol mm. but I'm not, I'm not sure they necessarily have their best 11 available at the moment so it might just be it might just be a bit um, a bit too tall of an order
0: No, that all sounds like good analysis to me Sean uh, one of the teams will win and uh, Gary Owen shouldn't be booking any, any you know playing tickets for ACL group stage games just yet. Not, that's, that's not what just yet. Okay. Um, just or hold for the off final
2: because the... if it, I think if it was to be Raso against Avispa, they should they shouldn't play it at a national stadium. They should move it, you know, move it down to to Kyushu, maybe play it in Oito or something. Mm, mm. No need to make the fans all travel, uh, travel all the way up here. Mm, that's right. Hold
0: hold it over till February and then open uh, Nagasaki's new stadium with it. Yeah. How about that. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I'm available. I'm available for any sports marketing. Uh, you know, <laughs> consultations that are needed, but also I'm not very good with numbers, so that, that's, that's, uh... Yeah, only. doesn't help. Um Sean, thanks so much for coming on. We had a really really good uh, good chat before recording and uh things only improved after after we started recording, I think. And we, we, we had well, a, a I don't know, lot I don't good, know about that. You know, yeah, no, no, I'm sure, I'm sure but bubbled the, through. No nobody will ever have the chance to compare the the two. So we, we can we can say it confidently. <laughs> we will know. We um, will know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much and hopefully uh, you can come on again soon and we we can chat a bit more about J2 maybe at the end of the regular season or even for the for the playoffs, you know, when when they come around. So yeah, thanks thanks so much for coming on. Really really appreciate it.
2: Not at all, yeah. mate. Always a pleasure.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, and then yeah, I think uh, Sean and I uh, need a need a rest and some food. So we'll uh, we'll leave it here with J two for now. But please stay tuned because, as ever, Magic Mike Innes is on hand. He has the J three lowdown for you in a J talk short corner, and uh,
3: that's coming up next. So please stay tuned. J it's your time. Hello everyone and welcome to Talk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up-to-date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 29 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 30 matches coming up over the next few days. There were three games on Saturday the 30th and the most important fixture was undoubtedly between the teams who've occupied the bottom two positions in the standings every week since Round 9. SC Sagamihara at home to Giravants Kitakyushu. A tense, dramatic affair it turned out to be. Giravants having an early Yuki Okada effort ruled out for offside, dominating possession for the rest of the first half and taking a deserved lead a minute after the break. Okada advancing into the penalty area against a sluggish home defence, and squaring it for Shun Hirayama, whose clever pass found say Nose in space for a powerful shot into the bottom corner. Soon afterwards, Hirayama fired a shot into the side netting as the Sunflowers came close to a two goal advantage. On 64 minutes though, Sagamihana struck back as Kose Makiyama sent in a cross and Tsubasa Ando managed to bundle his shot over the line, despite the best efforts of defender Kakeru Sakamoto. And 10 minutes later, Kitakyushu's hopes of avoiding a last placed finish suffered a hammer blow. Green and Black substitute Carlos Duke leading a counter-attack down the home left and feeding Ando, whose first-time shot gave Kenshin Yoshimaru no chance. Giramants twice came close to an equaliser in injury time. Takumi Wakeya's vicious in-swinging corner somehow hooked away by Riku Hashimoto. Bunta Ino then sending a diving header against the post. Final score though, Sagami had a two Kitakyushu 1. The hosts remain 19th, but open up a seven-point gap over the visitors, whose coach Shinji Kobayashi has nine games to find some form. Staying down at the foot of the table, FC Ryukyu kept their noses in front of Sagamihara thanks to a stoppage time equaliser in their game at home to AC Nagano Paseiro. Another eventful match this one, most of the action in the second half, although before the interval, Nagano's Shoma Otoizumi did head against his own crossbar as he worked to prevent Koki Kiyotake getting on the end of a cross. at the break then, and on 64 minutes, Otoizumi hit the woodwork at the other end. A smart header from Yasushumi Nishimura's clipped pass, Leo Yamanaka deflecting it into the net in the follow-up, only to be given offside. Paseiro finally broke the deadlock with 21 minutes left, Yamanaka hitting the post, Otoizumi reacting quickly to convert the rebound from 8 yards. A curling cross shot from Haruto Shirai almost gave the home side a quick equaliser but was tipped over by an alert Kim Minho. On 78 minutes though, the visiting keeper was left exposed by an overlap from Takayuki Fukumura who received the pass from Mu Kanazaki and slotted it inside the far post. Ryukyu were level for only four minutes, conceding again when Nagano's Corki Harada shot against the bar and this time Naoki Sanda headed in the rebound. Almost immediately Kanazaki had a goal chalked off at the other end, but in injury time the veteran striker got in a header from Fukumura's cross that was parried by Kim only for Takahiro Yanagi to jab it over the line. Final score, Ryukyu 2, Nagano 2. Kim jong Song just retains his unbeaten start as UQ coach, but his team remain 18th, a point outside the top two. The point for Paseiro means they stay 14th. Elsewhere on Saturday, Nagano's local rivals Matsumoto Yamaga continued their recent revival with a win at Van Rade Hachinohe. Yamagat were behind for most of the match, conceding in only the fourth minute when Taiki Miyabe pulled down Sunday Oriola in the area and Aoi Sato scored from the spot. It was the familiar combination of Yusuke Kikui and Ren Komatsu that enabled Matsumoto to draw level 20 minutes from time. Kikui's left wing cross headed in at the near post by Komatsu for his 16th of the season. The visitors somehow survived a penalty shout when Ryuhei Yamamoto appeared to block Riku Yamauchi's shot with his arm. Great work from Oriola in the build-up here. And with eight minutes to go, the ptarmigans stole the win, a towering header by Takato Nonomona from Kikui's outswinging corner. The lead was preserved in injury time when Masato Tokida cleared Tepe Chikaishi's header off the line. Final score, Hachinohe 1, Matsumoto 2. Vanderane gave a good account of themselves, but it's four without a win, and they slip to 12th. Yamaga a seventh, five points off the promotion spots. Seven games on Sunday the first, and the match of the day was Leaders Ehime FC's visit to Katare Toyama. Two weeks ago, Ehime were 11 points clear at the top, but that's down to six following their loss at Toyama. It was Katane who, on 21 minutes, opened the scoring, a classic counter-attack led by Mateus Laidia, who, having surged into the area, touched it off for Takumi Ito, his low ball into the middle converted by Arthur Silva. That advantage lasted only 10 minutes. The Mighty Mikan's pulling level when Yutaka Soneda nodded in a far post cross from Yuto Hikida. And the visitors were in front by half time. A penalty kick awarded for Musashi Oyama's foul on Shunsuke Motegi converted by Riki Matsuda. He's now on 12 for the season. Both teams hit the woodwork as the game entered the closing straight, Daichi Matsuoka almost equalising for Toyama before Ben Duncan came within a hair's breadth of putting Ehime two goals in front. And with 11 minutes remaining, Arthur Silva tied things up. His run into the box enabling him to pick up Shosaku Yasumitsu's through pass and finish right-footed past Shugo Tsuji. The winner came six minutes later, Arthur Silva claiming his hat-trick as he rose to head in Matsuoka's cross. Final score, Toyama 3, Ehime 2. Katara's home form keeping them in contention. Arthur Silva's first J-League treble pushing them back up to third. He may stay in front, but that's the first time all year, they've suffered consecutive losses. And Kagoshima United maintained their recent good form with a comfortable home win over YSCC Yokohama. Despite only coming into the starting lineup in the middle of August, Lei Yonezawa is already up to five goals for the season, and Yonezawa's efforts had Kagoshima 2 0 up in the first 24 minutes. The opener came when he moved away from defender Minoru Hanafusa and finished Junki Gordio's ball into the box. The second, a penalty awarded when Noriaki Fujimoto's shot brushed the arm of Seiya Nikaido. Vigorous protests from YSCC. Keeper Jun Kodama danced along his goal line in the preamble. Yonezawa sent him the wrong way. And the hosts were three ahead by half-time, Gordio's delicious cross with the outside of his left foot headed in by Fujimoto. It was almost four, but Shunsuke Yamamoto hit the post with a half-volley, while a Tinelli shot into the side-netting was the closest the visitors came to pulling one back. Final score, Kagoshima three YSCC nil. 14 points from 6 matches since Yasuaki Ōshima took over at Kagoshima, Ehime's nearest challengers in 2nd. YSCC were brushed aside in this one, they slip into the bottom 6th and 15th. Ehime, Kagoshima and Toyama occupy the top 3 placings then. FC Osaka and FC Imabari are just behind them. Not that either did themselves much good in their games, Osaka unable to claim anything more than a draw at Kamatamari Sanuki, while Imabari were beaten at Gainari Tottori. Osaka conceded an early penalty via Kazuyamima's trip on Kazuki Iwamoto, converted by Iwamoto for his first goal in more than two years. The visitors pulled level with a spot kick of their own. Rui Tone was upended by Kei Munechika, Daigo Furukawa scored from 12 yards. Midway through the first half and the day's goal scoring was done, although Furukawa was a thorn in Sanuki's side throughout. And Gentaro Yoshida should have scored late on for the Noodle Boys, but pulled his shot wide of the post. Final score, Sanuki 1, Osaka 1. Kamatamare stay 15th, although they're now only 5 points ahead of the bottom two. Osaka a 5th behind Imabari on goal difference and at tottori imabari fell behind with barely 2 minutes gone keita tanaka sending in the cross kentaro shigematsu dispatching the header the home side roared out of the blocks in this one as only 3 minutes later takuhiro hama had a goal disallowed for offside imabari then steadied the ship Marcus Vinicius having a shot deflected just past the post, and on 27 minutes they equalised. Takatora Kondo half volleying in the loose ball after Gainade had failed to deal with a long throw into the box. From then on, Imabari had their half chances but rarely worked keeper Koshiro Itohara, and on the hour the hosts retook the lead. Right-back Tanaka picking up possession 25 yards out and lashing an angled drive into the top corner. Another goal of the week contender for the 33-year-old. Controversy in the last five minutes of this one. A shot by Imabari sub Ralph Sointiens appearing to strike the arm of defender Korsuke Masatani in the area. No penalty given. Indeed, very few appeals. And soon afterwards, Marcus was sent off. Awarded a second yellow card for a foul on Itohara as both jumped for a high ball. Final score, Tottori 2, Imabari 1. A lucky escape at the end for Gainani, but they're unrecognisable from the team that lost 3-0 in the return fixture back in May, their 8th. Imabari drop one place to 4th. If the J3 season had restarted at its midpoint and the league table now was based only on games from round 20 onwards, who would be top of the table? The answer to that is... Fukushima United, who came away from FC Gifu with maximum points. This was a game heading for a goalless draw, in particular thanks to Gifu veteran Yosuke Kashiwagi hitting the post from a yard out after visiting keeper Kaito Yamamoto had saved Hirofumi Yamauchi's header. But with nine minutes left, Toru Shibata crossed to the far post, Korsuke Tanaka volleyed it back across goal and Ryuji Sawakami headed it beyond Shu-Mogi and inside the post. A superb team effort. Final score Gifu 0, Fukushima 1, 5 without a win for Gifu whose season is slipping away from them. They fall to 10th. Fukushima 2 points behind them in 13th. And two more away wins to finish with. Nana Club getting the better of a Tegevajaro Miyazaki side who dispensed with the services of coach Hiroshi Matsuda in midweek, replacing him with assistant Mitsuo Kato. Tegevajaro's form has been alarmingly poor lately and that didn't look like changing in their first match under the new coach. Nana, for their part, almost went in front on 28 minutes, Hayato Asakawa's header bringing a fingertip save out of homekeeper Shunsuke Ueda, but they duly registered the only goal of the game midway through the second half. Shunsuke Mori moving down the left and setting up Tatsuma Sakai, who from the edge of the area clipped it over Ueda and in off the underside of the bar. Final score, Miyazaki nil, Nana one, Tegavajano still 17th, but now only one point better off than second-bottom Sagami Hana. A first win in four for Nana, back up to sixth. And... Tetsuji Nakamikawa picked up his second win in two games as the new coach of Iwate Guruja Morioka. The paper cranes were at Claro Numazu where they sounded an early warning by means of Masashi Wada's point-blank header which prompted a brilliant reaction save from Hiromu Musha. But Musha couldn't do anything to prevent Iwate from taking a 12th minute lead. Kenneth Otabo glancing Tsuyoshi Mihachi’s cross inside the far post. That was an advantage which stood for 13 minutes. Azul Claro getting back on level terms thanks to Yuma 20-yard shot which took a deflection off Kentaro Kai and beat the wrong-footed Kentatanno. Kai played his part in what turned out to be the winning goal for Gruja early in the second half, launching a long ball forwards that eluded home defender Tatsuya Anzai to reach Toi Kagami who poked it under the advancing Musha. Late on, Kengo Kawamata missed a chance to equalise when he received the through pass from Kenshiro Suzuki only for Tanno to block the shot. Final score, Numazu won Iwate two. Azul Claro earlier in the season made a fortress out of their Ashitaka Park Stadium. But that's four home losses in a row now and they're down to ninth. Gruja rising to meet them in eleventh. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 29. The top six are Ehime with 54 points, Kagoshima with 48, Toyama 46, Imabari and Osaka 44, Nara 43. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are YSCC and Senuki with 36 points, Miyazaki and Uryukyu with 32 Sagamihana 31, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakyushu. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 30 fixtures over the next few days, and I'm recording this episode ahead of the one game on Thursday the 5th, and it's an important one in the promotion race. Inform Kagoshima, go to Osaka. Then there's one game on Saturday the 7th. That's a big one too for Ryukyu who need points at home to Sanuki. And all this means there are eight games on Sunday the 8th. Leaders Ehime have the chance to get back to winning ways as they host struggling Miyazaki. Toyama head to bottom side Kitakyushu. Imabari have a tough trip to Fukushima. Nana are also away. They go to YSCC. Fascinating match in prospect at Tottori where the visitors are Sagamihara. Can Matsumoto continue their rise up the table with a home win over Iwate? A couple of mid-table games to finish with. Nagano against Hachinohe, And finally, Gifu. At home to Numazu. With all the week's business seen to, then, that's it for this mini pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.